Hello everyone. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. This is Naziati Muhammad Yaqob, your host for the podcast Talk Architecture. I welcome you again to another episode focusing on accessible design, disability, and universal design. I have been reading um, about the topic of how accessible design, uh, when you approach to design for disabled persons, you would benefit everyone. And um, there are two references. One is the TED Talk by Ellis Roy, a proponent for accessible design, uh, whom actually own a company and advise other companies to strategize the way they approach design um, from the disabled person's perspective to achieve a design solution that is all com- uh, encompassing or be able to resolve um, problems, design problems for everyone. And that would actually um, originate a design that um, could be even much more important, could be much more decisive and um, popular or marketable even, or in demand. So this coincides with the other reference that I found which is entitled uh, Three Reasons Why Accessible Design is Good for All. I will provide the link of this article um, in the caption. The first paragraph takes you to the core of what this is all about. I would like to read it to you. This article is... was written by Dieter Havas Mortensen and Frank Spillers. It was just seven months ago that they wrote this article um, in interaction-design.org. The first paragraph states that most designers probably agree that accessibility matters. Um, Semicolon. We want to create designs and interfaces that don't exclude users with disabilities. There are plenty of obvious moral reasons that accessibility matters, but unfortunately, accessibility considerations are often one of the first things to get cut when resources or time becomes scarce. From a business perspective, it seems reasonable that it's better to release something that the majority of people will be able to use than to delay a product or website launch. After all, users with disabilities only make up a smaller percentage of the customer group. As you might already suspect, the truth is a lot more complex and choosing not to create accessible designs for financial reasons, is not only often illegal, but also short-sighted in terms of the business value you can gain from accessibility. 
And um, much of this development happens in UI slash UX design for the users. Alice Roy, in one of her talks, mentioned about how texting, messaging, and other accessibility features that was included in smartphones help everyone. So that's a clear example of how designers incorporated this, this um, accessible designs for financial reasons, but at the end, it is just something that is very valuable and is all about accessibility. So further, this article says in the second paragraph, here we'll look at a few examples from the history of designing for accessibility, which illustrate why accessibility is great for users and for business. We'll also take you through the primary reasons for why you should care about accessibility in the digital domain. If you're a designer, we're probably preaching to the choir when we say that accessibility matters. So we so use our examples and arguments next time you have to argue for the importance of accessibility in a project in your own organization. So we have the designer. This article is for the designer. The designer works in their own organization and they also have barriers or um, need to actually plead for the case among their own company or organization. And not only th that, obviously with the client as well, to pitch for a design that is accessible to all. So we see this um, development going much faster and more embracing in the digital domain or for UI slash UX designers, obviously. Um, but a lot of references came from the phys uh, physical environment and built environment and architecture itself. So the next subheading is called the curb cut effect. Okay, this relates to me because using a wheelchair, the issues of curb cuts, curb cuts or step ramps is very much one of the delicate and um, precise problems that you have for physical accessibility, not only in developing countries and also um, developed countries. So this title is is very compelling to me, but I think that um, we shall listen to some of, of what it says. One of the primary reasons that accessibility has wider benefits than allowing people with disabilities to use your products is the curb cut effect. The curb cut effect refers to the fact that designs created to benefit people with disabilities often end up benefit, benefiting a much larger user group. The curb cut effect takes its name from the ramps cut into the surfaces of sidewalks. As you see in the image above, in many countries, curb cuts are omnipresent in areas with foot tra 
traffic, allowing people with stroller, strollers, bikes, etc., easy access to the street when they need to cross the road. While curb cuts are used by all kinds of pedestrians, they were originally created for the sole purpose of allowing people in wheelchairs to cross the road. Curb cuts only started to become commonplace through the hard work of political activists who demanded that wheelchair users should be able to move freely about in cities, but they turned out to have more universal benefits. Most of us no longer think of curb cuts as accessible design, but simply as the most logical and user-friendly way to design sidewalks, and hence the term curb cut effect. There you go. I've always believed that activism has led the way for people to realize the importance of including uh, persons with disabilities and in the forefront of persons with physical disabilities um, and, the dis uh, and those barriers such as not having any curb cuts in, on pavement at the corner of pavements or um, where you cross onto the pavement. Now, when we talk about pavement or sidewalks, these are components in the street environment that are for the use of the public in terms of safety. And safety is one of the principles of barrier-free design after COSE 2000. And this safety factor, uh, along with accessibility and usability, are the three main desired outcomes when you deal with accessible design, obviously. And, and you do not want to compromise safety because what other alternative to using the sidewalks or pavement, the alternative is you need to use the road where you might be knocked down by a vehicle, yeah, a motorized vehicle. So, so it became an analogy now for a digital application um, um, designers where it is a reference and, and a reference that is very much um, needed for us. I mean, I would recommend to use that analogy here when it's presented like this. This is quite a good, a very good article in itself. And it gives a lot of thought to how you would think about accessibility. So closed captions were created for people with hearing impairments, but they are also great for watching video videos in a noisy environment. So that's another example that we benefited um, uh, from, you know, um, sometimes. Now we can access foreign films. We can access, we can, uh, or, or, or access um, te uh, movies, films, documentaries, which the um, actors or what is documented 
you cannot really hear what they are saying. So you have captions, and this really helped because uh, at times you would read it, at the same time you watch it, and sometimes you don't really read it, but it helps a lot because you want to get the right words. Sometimes the, the words are not being verbalized um, the best way it should for you to know what it, what that word is. Legal, moral reasons, but also it makes sense in terms of business. And is it like a, like second nature already? The value of this for people, people demand this. Um, yeah, another great example of the curb cut effect is closed captioning on video material. Captions were originally created for people with hearing impairments who indeed still use them and thus intended for a limited user group. They turned out to be a great help for much larger user groups, such as people who watch videos in noisy environments and foreign viewers who read translated spoken content in different languages, meaning that a closed captioning or subtitles have become a huge business. Okay, I, I personally find this interesting because as a lecturer who has to do, um, to record my lectures, and um, in some instances, um, I also conduct training courses for deaf persons and uh, those with hearing impairments. So, if I were to just share my video, I would need to do closed captioning itself. Now in Zoom and some of this application, if you don't have a stable internet connection, you won't be able to get the live captioning spot on. Yeah. But if you were to upload to YouTube, for example, um, the, the closed captioning is very much... Uh, well done, and and uh, of course you have to speak in English, and even if you speak a foreign language, it will come out in a way that how you pronounce it. So that's how sensitive the closed captioning is. And uh, for 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 a person who is deaf or hearing impaired, this is like a bread and butter for them to communicate to get the right information. So. Um, it, it's really something that is so important for us to, to use. Le the next subtitle is Legal, Moral, and Business Reasons for Designing for Accessibility. In both our examples, legal, moral, and business reasons go hand in hand to create a triple-layered win-win situation. But is that still the case for more current design challenges, such as web design? So there is a video um, by Frank Spillers, CXO and founder of the award-winning UX firm Experience Dynamics, will argue why accessibility is essential for web design for legal, moral, and business reasons. So um, you need to click on the... Um, the link to the article in the caption um, where you would find uh, with this podcast to uh, view that video by Frank Spillers. 
And another, the takeaway here with regard to this article is that accessibility is often one of the first things to be cut from designs, given that the gains to be had from creating accessible designs seems small compared to the cost of delaying a launch or re redesigning a product. Here we have argued that skimping on accessibility is short-sighted and that there are important reasons for placing such emphasis on designing for accessibility. The most obvious is the moral reason you should create accessible designs to ensure that everyone has equal access. The second reason that many of us think of when we consider accessibility is the legal one. Many countries have laws stating that you must design with accessibility in mind and not doing so leaves you too vulnerable you vulnerable to lawsuits. The final reason that's sometimes overlooked is that accessibility is actually good for business. Creating accessible designs mean, means that you expand your user base and it's also good for uh, SEO and usability. So that's um, the, the um, web design speak there. So, in this regard, we see that accessibility is going to be the normal thing, uh, especially when we look at the communication age, the information age, where uh, using a smartphone is the phone is called smartphone now, but now all phones, all means of communication digitally um, is going to be very useful for disabled persons as well, uh, especially those with sensory impairment. And um, this development is, um, is, makes business sense, like what you said in this article. This, uh, this article is very fresh. Um, and it also should give a reflection to architects um, regarding um, their own development in architecture and interior design and planning, uh, sorry, urban design. And, um, and I find it really gratifying that the curb cut effects is being used in this respect when... Um, the proponents of uh, web design, uh, such as Frank Spillers and this um, co-author who is uh, named Mortensen also agree. And, and also with regard to um, Ellis Roy's uh, TED talk and uh, talks that she has made um, in her company, focusing on this aspect of how designers should approach design. We talk about this in the last podcast where Mitigan mentioned about how it is important and also the other architects in that article um, on culture change, which was a few years, which was written a few years ago under the, um, the, Architecture Association of America, AIA, um, and 
where we have at one point the other hand in the development of architecture is slow in coming we have a rapid development in web design and UI, UI, UX designers. So I would be encouraged if architects refer to the development in UI, UX and, and learn from this because we are all designers in a way we, we, we create uh, products and solutions for everyone uh, to use our products. And architecture could be deemed as a product that, um, although it's more complex and it's not a portable thing that you carry in your pocket or you carry it wherever you go, but it is still a product that should deliver a moral or legal and business sense as well. So this Putting it in this way make us think about the values of the products that we produce or design for. And I think that's the takeaway from this discussion that we could um, go another step further in this conversation that we're having regarding accessible design, disability, and universal design. So thank you for listening. And... I will hope that you be at the next podcast. Thank you so much.